friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, and we're recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Skygan, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory. We are joined today by Andre Goulet, the president, CEO, first among equals, king, really, if you think about it, of the newly no. launched Harbinger Media Network. Yeah. <laughs> monarch, like, you're not the yeah. monarch? No, and like Harbinger I, Media Network? And like I mentioned before, I think that sounds biblically corporate. I'm the executive director because we're a registered nonprofit, so that's like a new title for me. Not completely comfortable with it, uh, but definitely great to be here with you in the City of Champions. And you have a beautiful studio. Thank you for having me. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the city of Champignons. No, I, I kid, of course. I mean, I am also an executive director of a nonprofit, um, but of a tiny non nonprofit, much, much like Harbinger Media. So <laughs> you may have noticed uh, on the last episode that we that Progress Alberta put out that we had a, a, a stinger. We had an opener that um, talked about how we were a part of the Harbinger Media Network. And we talked about a couple shows that were on the network, uh, what those shows were up to, shows that we liked. Uh, and and just kind of like, you know, gave you a little a, a little teaser of what else is on this Harbinger Media Network, and that's what this episode today is about. Is like, what the hell is the Harbinger Media Network? Who is this Andre Goulet, Goulet character? Can we trust him? Mm-hmm. And uh, and also just wanted to broaden that discussion out to like the realities of Canada's media ecosystem, especially on the left, and especially when it comes to podcasting. So, Andre. Uh, what the hell is Harbin- the Harbinger Media Network and and why did you feel the need to build it? And I, yeah, when I was looking at the show notes, it's like, uh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't feel the need to build it. People were already building it and it was just happening all over the country with like, you know, more than a dozen shows, 20 shows, whatever. And everyone kind of with similar ethics and values and ideology and, and uh, sort of a, t- t- a tone, tonal approach to, to podcasting. So um, I guess I just sort of tried to like be in touch with different shows and I produce a bunch of different left shows and, and this community began to form and it was really cool because like, yeah, shared, shared everything and in many ways. And then it kind of got too big and, and I realized it was like really pan Canadian and like had so many talented people and really great, awesome folks. And so uh, I started scheming and just thinking about like, well, how can we pick this up to the next level. And that's when the Harbinger Media Network started to um, kind of come together with, uh, in a collaborative fashion with, with a lot of our, our comrades around the country. So it's definitely not a me project. It's an us project, which is one of the reasons it's cool. And one of the reasons why I'm confident it's going to be really rad uh, because there's so many of us uh, pulling in the same direction. So basically we're a group of leftist podcast and content creators joining forces to create a media network that's going to challenge existing right-wing and corporate media dominance in French and English from coast to coast. And that's the boilerplate, but it's a good boilerplate and I feel really good about it. Yeah. So the idea here is that, you know, of the dozens of left-wing podcasts that have sprung up across the country kind of in the past three years or so, that we will assor- assemble like Voltron and smash the the kind of corporate media elite here in Canada. That's the, the general idea. 80s kids remember that Voltron was cool and it was really essentially a bunch of different robots coming together to make one big one. And that really is the idea because for a lot of our shows, when we're alone, it's hard to kind of extend our reach and and find new listeners and find a new audience. So it seems to reason that by coming together, we will be more powerful and we'll be able to reach more people. So that's going to be a work in progress. But like if people look at the charts they suck. Like they're really bad. And and it's the Canadian podcast charts. Uh, I'm looking at chartable.com right now. 
uh, for the politics charts. And in the top 10, um, well, there is a Globe and Mail uh, podcast that comes in at number four, and that's between the NPR politics podcast at number three and the new Michael Cohen, Mia Culpa. He's a Trump's lawyer who's now in jail or something. There's the Lincoln Project. There's Marianne Williamson's new podcast, the uh, flakiest of the Democratic contenders. And then Canada Land Commons comes in there, too, as the other Canadian, uh, the other Canadian content. Pod Save America is number one, just to give you a sense of like the sort of neolib uh, content that that most people are listening to. So you know that's uh that's weird like why why is 75 percent of content and that's approximately the number according to a recent study from uh the progress the podcast exchange which is a organization in toronto why is it all american right um so that's what we're up against uh, a sort of not only is it american mm-hmm. but i mean those those podcasts are god awful you know what i mean like the fucking lincoln project like fuck off or or uh the pod save america just like oh god and so and so just like you know i'm not a i'm not really a podcast scientist uh but the reason marianne williamson's podcast uh looks like it launched and hit the top 10 is because the whole podcast infrastructure is weird and and the way that those those charts function and the way that uh people don't have the capability to find out about new content. That's really what we're up against. So by coming together and creating Harbinger, the idea really is that we're going to uh, just sort of elevate all of us at the same time. Um, so it is, it's really exciting. Uh, and, you know, I just get filled with a white hot rage whenever I look at the top 10, top 50, top 100. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Uh, so we didn't do a Harbinger intro for the show. I mean, I think it will largely would have been overkill since a big chunk of this show totally. is talking about Harbinger. But why don't you take a minute to hype up a couple of shows, uh, talk about you know who's on the podcast, shows people may have heard of, shows people may not have heard of. Yeah, and I'll actually go through. Let me go top to bottom from from west coast to east. Uh, in uh, British Columbia, out of left field in Victoria, uh, People's Media Platform in Vancouver, and Left Behind in North Vancouver Island. Uh, in your province, there's Alberta Advantage in Calgary, and you guys and uh, Kino Lefter, the socialist film podcast in Edmonton. Jeremy Appel's Big Shiny Takes. He co-hosts with Eric and Marino. They're in the GTA. He's in Medicine Hat. Uh, that's Big Shiny Takes. Oats for breakfast. Also in Toronto and Nashua Khan's Habibti, please, uh, in uh, the, I think Mississauga or, or sort of the GTA. Uh, Le Plancher des Vaches is a show I produced. What's that one about? Let, uh, me, just, let me just interrupt you. What's, I haven't heard of that one. Le Plancher des Vaches? No, the, the Habitsi one, the, the one oh, out of Mississauga. So, yeah, thank you. So, Nashua yeah. Khan is the uh, co host and sort of like creative drive behind Muslim Rum Springer, which is a really rad uh, show that covers kind of like. Canadian stuff, but also uh, some American stuff, and they're 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 kind of huge. So she is launching a new show, uh, has launched a new show that's going to be with Harbinger. So it's it's a conversation show. She brands it as a uh, uh, grab a cup of mint tea and have a conversation with the girls, and I think that sounds really fun. And uh, she's just got some great guests. She had Leah Gazan on uh, the NDP MP a couple weeks ago, and and people like that. So she'll be doing sort of in depth interviews with people from I think a sort of academic and activist and intellectual uh, side of, of Canadian uh, social issues. So that's a, that's an exciting show. And I, I just, Nash was awesome. So it's really cool to have her as part of the uh, community. Yeah, yeah. So so moving past Toronto and then uh, into La Belle Province, uh, Le Plancher des Vaches is a show I produce uh, in collaboration with Ricochet French. And uh, these, okay, so this is the third season and these guys it's amazing that the two hosts are a couple of public intellectual academic professor types and they, uh, 
the last episode, episode two, the whole season, uh, third season's dealing with the American election and then having conversations about that. They brought in a humorist to explain like some wacky side of American politics, like the Electoral College. They uh, have the former co-host who lives in like way far north Quebec now to talk about veterans issues because he's a former Canadian Armed Forces guy. And they had uh, two women come in who are experts in far right organizing in the United States to talk about that. I had to edit this thing with six different guests. It was insane and totally in my second language, which is like super hard. Um, but it was also so amazing. And and what they're doing with like uh, the, the scope of their ambition is really cool. So Le Plancher des Vaches is... Uh, rolling right through until the uh until the americans uh meet their meet their god on uh november 3rd uh speaking of americans 49th parallel is uh rob rousseau's show also in montreal uh, which is awesome uh les ficelles another montreal show which is a sort of um, feminist discourse about social issues and critiquing society and stuff like that uh, Paris Marx's Tech Won't Save Us in St. John's, Newfoundland, and Hillary Agro's Bread and Poppies is going to be launching a new season uh, with us um, beginning in November. And she, she has a show that deals with sort of like uh, drug policy and left politics. So this is uh, 15 shows, uh, oh, plus a new show that I'm launching next week called The Harbinger Society. And it's going to be kind of a forum to take in all of these disparate parts and highlight different podcast hosts, different left media people in Canada, and also some interesting fun surprises uh, with some comedians and stuff like that. So it's going to be cool. It's going to be really creative and really interesting and definitely the kind of stuff I love doing. So the Harbinger Society is going to be launching uh, next week. So yeah, big community, 15 shows and a bunch Very of shows, a bunch of shows sort of in the, um, in the archives of like well-reads news you can use uh, radio free winnipeg and my old show unpacking the news so really cool to have those as part of the community too very cool so that that's the whole that's the whole list and so yeah we've got shows in french we've got shows in english we've got shows i mean all on the left situated on the left uh, but approaching you know the podcasting format from a variety of different like identities and politics and approaches right and it's it is not um uh, i don't know it's not it's not like there's no like central figurehead telling us all what to broadcast i guess absolutely not what no absolutely not and one one thing that was really important when we were kind of um, forming what this would look like would be to really keep things horizontal um, and organic because top down doesn't work with the kind of work we do. Right. So my role is really to help facilitate and help to kind of um, aid people in building community, but everyone's still completely independent and doing their own thing, which I think is rad. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's super exciting. And yeah. And so what is the business model? I mean, I assume you're going for, you know, big corporate sponsorships from, you know, Facebook, Google, the big law firms, you know, Deloitte and Touche, Loblaws, the Sobe family, the Saputos, all of, of our titans of industry here in Canada, they should be kicking in, you know, 50 grand a year minimum, right? Yeah, we're going to get a lot of money from corporate sponsors. No, we're not taking any advertising. That was also pretty clear, like from the outset that there's no way, I mean, what are we going to like promote? beer or something like no um so it is mattresses baby there's yeah. money in mattresses still well this me. is it because th there's a model that like kind of works for big shows in podcasting um but that's not us because we wouldn't sell mattresses it would be absurd and also like stupid um so it's, it's definitely a listener supported model and much like shows and progress Alberta itself has a, a listener or reader supported system um there is an ask from from supporters that they find a way to part with three bucks a month or five bucks a month um, to kind of keep uh, this 
this idea uh, to help grow this idea of of making an alternative media pool, right? Because we have a sort of balkanized left uh, forum of different different stuff all over the country. But to me, it's really cool to be building bridges between those different spaces and trying to elevate like the entire left um, as a sort of community effort. So to me, that's really important. And, um, you know, part of that means formally registering as a nonprofit and like having a board of directors that there's like good oversight to make sure that we have our shit together and, and all of that sort of professionalization is what's really important to me. So just to speak to the board for a sec, I feel awesome. We have uh, uh, Jennifer Green, who's a poli sci prof at U of T and an expert in um, some really cool things that skip my mind right now. Uh, Roberta Lexler, who teaches at uh, Mount Royal University in Calgary and teaches about um, sort of movement politics and the history of of the NDP and stuff like that. And uh, Kaina Gata, who is a former journalist uh, from from BC originally, but but did TV journalism in Montreal for a bunch of years, quit and moved out to BC to become uh, one of the uh, organizers at Dogwood. Um, so now he's like a, a comms guy and, and does activism work. So he really kindly agreed to join this board. So I feel wonderful about the people who are going to be, you know, who we're going to be answering to, to kind of like help us elevate this and make it a professional, uh, professional effort. So you said listener supported and uh, for fair dinkum. I mean, that's, that's our, our approach uh, here at Progress Alberta. Um, I suppose the, the question is, is like, are you doing any, um, exclusive content right. or like, or are you, or are you just kind of, um, making the case that this, uh, thing should exist purely <laughs> on its own and that you'll provide all, all the work that's being done will be provided to the public kind of thing. No, cause, uh, it's it's not it's it, <clears throat> it's not it's not a fair ask to just say hey support a um, uh, an altruistic vision right like you have to be offering something back to to supporters and so what Harbinger will be offering is uh, my show the Harbinger Society which is going to be exclusive to uh, supporters who support the network uh, at a beginning tier of three dollars a month which is a pretty good deal um, and then there's going to be three or four episodes a month I'm basically going to do six episode seasons so like uh, over 60 days release six shows then take a month off and then come back and do it again um, so season one I have some good guests lined up already and uh, I'm really excited to start uh, getting into it and and taking the opportunity to kind of do some of the more creative kind of um, narrative building that I sometimes would do with my show, Unpacking the News. I really enjoy that, uh, while also including roundtable conversations and interviews. And just a, a quick note, when you talked about the sort of diversity of, of shows that we have, it's true. There's a lot of, there's a, I think there's a lot of varying approaches to how we present um, our our left uh, ideals to to the audiences. Uh, one thing that's interesting, though, is we're primarily talk, right? Like everyone kind of does talk stuff. So something else that uh, I'm ex really excited about at Harbinger is I'm f I feel really lucky to have uh, Aaliyah Pabani and uh, Ali Graham, who uh, did The Imposter with Canada Land. And they're going to be hosting a sort of incubator where they're going to be mentoring um, some voices that maybe don't always have access to, to um, you know, doing podcasts or maybe don't have the skill set to, to put out content. And they're going to be incubating sort of more narrative driven stuff. Uh, one show they're doing right now, which is really interesting in Toronto, which is not part of our community, but, but I, which I really support and think is awesome, is they've been going to the... Uh, Moss Park uh, encampment where a lot of unhoused people are living right now and they are interviewing people and then getting their stories, recording like 80 hours worth of tape and then turning it into 
um, a, a five episode season. Super ambitious. These guys are geniuses, and it's really exciting to think that they're gonna uh, that to think that they would be willing to play a role as as mentors with uh, with Harbinger. So it's great to have them on board. Um, and it's exciting too to kind of like do more narrative stuff. But yeah, with uh, with the the ask to uh, supporters to like throw us a few dollars a month, what they will get is access to uh, the show I'll be putting out. We'll also have other exclusive content, including Abdul Malik's uh, Off Court podcast, which is going to be released in early January. They're making it uh, exclusive to Harbinger. Uh, Ten episode seasons uh, released weekly. Um, and it's going to be a show about like where the intersection happens between sports and history and left politics. And I'm really looking forward to that. So yeah, there's going to be some really cool things that we're putting forward that people won't find anywhere else so that they will have a reason to, to want to support the, the, the broader goal of just creating and, and establishing a sort of, um, uh, a broader uh, left podcast community. Uh, I think I disagree with you there. And I think there's some fundamental tension about, you know, in the right, you know, reader supported media sphere about, you know, offering up exclusives or, uh, or, you know, paywalled content to um, supporters as opposed to like what we do or what's a, what an organization like Canada land does, which is like, Hey, our work is kind of, um, uh, is is only good or useful if it has a broad audience, right? And like, uh, you know, as an organization that you know we do muckraking, we do investigative journalism. Our pitch is that like we're not going to have exclusive content, and because we believe that like our content needs to be seen by as many people as possible, and that like the value in it comes from having as as wide a possible audience as possible. Like we're working on an investigative piece right now that I think a lot of people are going to care about, give a shit about uh, hopefully later this week, maybe early next week about essentially corruption within the UCP and, uh, and certain conservative connected legal firms. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that behind a paywall. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put the podcast on that behind a paywall. And so it is a, I I don't know if there's a correct answer to this. And obviously we're kind of selling different things and different products and have different pitches, filling different niches. But I still think that that's an an interesting kind of division with even just kind of within the like, you know, God, I hate using this word, but like the the media entrepreneurship or the nonprofit media world, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with you at all. And and yeah, so you make me sort of reflect on the fact that it's become a best practice in podcasting to offer exclusive content. And that's not the case for like most shows, because most of us don't have that leverage to make people uh, want to give us any, any financial support. But you do see it with Chapa Trap House and you do see it with Canada Land to kind of have stuff that's going to be more exclusive for supporters. So I think finding like the balance and that tension is, is one of the challenges. Uh, but it's also worth saying that like these shows come out initially and they're, they're uh, paywalled, but a month later they do become available to everybody. So like, that's going to be the model I'm using. It's not like permanently uh, just like reserved for the supporters. It's, it's just, it's, it's sort of a tease to kind of um, coerce people into coerce is a terrible word. Why did I use that? to kind of like um, to kind of just persuade people or, or give them, give them a perk for, for choosing to part with their, their hard earned $3. Every a, a nudge. It's a, it's a gentle nudge. Exactly. Yeah. It's a gentle nudge. Uh, I mean, yeah, like like the very good podcast that I enjoyed a lot, the the blowback podcast. Like they, it was eventually free, right? Like mm-hmm. I uh, I I listened to it for free. I didn't I didn't give a dime to Brendan James and Noah Cullen, and I. Oh. But I very much enjoyed the show, and I was very glad that it eventually became available. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you know a deep investigative look at 
uh, and funny, quite funny. They had some very funny voice actors on and some good bits about uh, the Iraq war, which is, you know, I would, you know, pretty important piece of my life. I graduated in 2001 uh, from high school in 2001. And like, you know, it was just kind of my early adulthood is kind of dominated by this, uh, event that we don't really talk very much about anymore. And it was really good content. And, um, but they had gotten a big contract from Stitcher to kind of initially produce it. It was like an exclusive offering on Stitcher, which is like a pod catching app as well as like, they're trying to turn it into a, a, you know, a platform as well, like with these exclusive bits of content. And, uh, yeah, like no one has figured it out. Right. Like, I don't think, um, you know, news, media, talk, radio, however you want to frame what it is we're doing. Uh, the 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 business model for all of these is just rapidly getting swallowed up by mm-hmm. Google and Facebook, right? Like the attention economy, uh, like the the attention industrial complex. I think that's the that's the term that Cory Doctorow uses, right? Like there are no like there's no space for small players anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you have to make your case directly to the people and build up your audience directly. And so it's a, it's an interesting struggle, right? And I think, and as Progress Alberta has kind of been going through uh, a relaunching, a repivoting, kind of a reimagining of what it is that we want to be kind of when we grow up and, and Progress Alberta as an organization is going to be five years old in January. Um, you know, I don't know if you keep yeah. track of us for that long, but mm-hmm. like... <laughs> Wow. And and the progress report as a as a podcast and uh, and, a, and a news site it will be, we only really launched it last summer. So we mm-hmm. had kind of been filling in. Uh, we would occasionally do investigative reports, and we just publish it on our main site. If we would we would go to like labor unions or foundations, and we would say, hey, we we want to do we want to look into private schools and how shitty private schools are mm-hmm. and in Alberta. And they'd be like, yeah, we agree. That's an important story for someone to dig into. And so then we would go and produce a bunch of original content on, 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 uh, on, um, on private schools, right? And how shitty they are. Or we would, uh, one thing we did in the past, which we're doing less of now is like campaigning or political organizing or community organizing where, you know, we would, there would be issues and we would go out and, and it would be mostly kind of like cheap and cheerful online stuff. Like we didn't really have the resources or capacity to do kind of meaningful mm-hmm. on the ground organizing. And as we've kind of, as the organization has grown, uh, we have figured out that, that like, that's just not, what we're good at like we are good at muckraking we are good at um you know uh, online journalism being a media organization like that is those are our strengths compared mm-hmm. to uh you know trying to get government a to change policy b you know what i mean mm-hmm. the dream the dream with with this sort of notion of a, of a broad uh, left podcast community is that even though the audiences are smaller, right, and like reach X amount of people, when we come together, it's it's just it really is a way to elevate. Because if there's a cumulative fifty thousand listeners um, every week uh, for these fifteen shows, well, if we're cross promoting each other, talking about each other, guesting on each other's shows, and really creating and this sounds lame a shared universe of, of left podcasting, then audiences will find out about it. And as that becomes uh, larger and stronger, then more and more people find out about it. Because like, what's the potential audience of people who would be sympathetic to left perspectives in Canada? It has to be 3 million, I'm guessing. That's a lot. Um, so how do you reach more people? Uh, I think that's that's one of the real challenges. And one of the reasons why, like you're saying, it's really important to come together. And, and well, it, this is sort of one of the strategies that seems to work. The Harbinger Extended Universe, baby. I mean, it sounds so stupid. It sounds so stupid. Spider-Man will somehow be in here. 
And this is also going to sound lame to some people because obviously it's a so-called country, but um, you could also call Harbinger a kind of so-called nation building because um, the stupid country is too big. And like, you know, it, it just it's really hard to sort of have this sense of, of things that we share in common or anything. So when we are collaborating and cooperating and, and finding ways to work together or even knowing more about what the other folks are doing um it's a way to kind of just like grow this this sense of space uh and i feel like in that growth then that includes uh space for conversations about ideology and about issues and about values that we often don't see in canadian media because like we mentioned at the outset of this conversation it's decrepit it's broken it sucks it's really bad um so yeah like it's it's going to be a long goal like a long game but um i'm really excited to be like starting out on that path because i think it's absolutely essential to have a space where like in the form of podcasting the left can exist as um as something that's like clearly unified if that makes sense so uh let me pitch you the new imagine newly imagined reimagined version of progress of the yeah. progress report mm-hmm. uh you know as this is something we've been working on for a long time and and we are going to have like a fundraising drive around and we do want to you know at some point the, the you know the emergency wage subsidy is going to end and we are going to have to go out and raise a bunch more money if we want to continue to exist so, so here's the here's the pitch so the progress report will be, you know, independent investigative journalism with, you know, sharp left-wing analysis and opinion on, you know, Alberta's conservative hellscape. And like, that's, you know, the niche we want to fill. I mean, I think thinking of it as like a, a regional Canada land, but with, you know, better analysis and better <laughs> politics than Jesse Brown. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I got to push back. Jesse has the best millionaire tech bro, anti-media establishment, ex-media establishment person reputation in the country. And I, I, I for one, love it. You, what, you don't? You don't love that? You can't support that? I, I mean, I, I like some things that Jesse Brown I do has too. done. Like, I like uh, a lot the, of things he's done. The Wii stuff has been fantastic. I, re- I listened to the first. I mean, I'll never years. give them a dime as long as Jen Gerson is being employed by them. But, oh, God. But I, uh, I, I, listen I will... To- uh, I don't want to throw you off your pitch like for more than one second, but like basically I listened to the first three or four years of Canada land and it was like, you know, great until I kind of figured out that um, Jesse had one, Jesse had like three tricks and uh, they weren't that great. So I don't know. I think that it really feels a good space and like there's lots of good people that create stuff with that organization. Um, having it be personality driven though, I think is a mistake. And that's a big difference with what we're doing with Harbinger is it's really driven by the shows, but back to progress, Alberta. Um, sorry, back to the pitch. And the progress report. I mean, yeah, we got we got off on a tangent on Candleland, but yeah. So like the backbone content that we produce as part of the progress report will be this weekly podcast, as well as our weekly free email newsletter, and then we will be producing content and investigations uh, as they are required, as stories pop up, as people pitch us, as things as events occur. Uh, you know, the progress report will you know depending on our capacity and interest. Uh, you know, be writing uh, about the world around us. We'll be publishing online. And so we are soliciting, uh, we are asking for people to come pitch us. You know, we do have, you know, friends of uh, people who are, you're, you may have heard of uh, on those podcasts are our contributors to the progress report. You know, Abdul Malik has written for us, you know, Laura Cruz from Kino Lefter has written for us. Um, 
you know, I am, uh, being a podcaster does not disqualify you from contributing to the progress reports. So, uh, <laughs> if you've got stuff that you think the world needs to know about, and if you've got a novel take, if you've got some interesting information, if you've got, I mean, we'll do occasional spicy hot takes, um, you know, just to keep people interested, it's cheap content, but I think our, our, our bread and butter is, is, you know, these investigative uh, pieces where we're able to actually do work that no other organization would ever even think of doing. So totally. that's, that's our pitch. So, uh, so what do you think? I mean, I think it's awesome because I really respect the work you, you, you and Jim do. It's, it's, um, it's so like, it's so specific and, and energetic and, and like, I grew up in Alberta. I was there for uh, high school and university from 1992 to the year 2000. So I understand the culture and I understand the sort of um, like, uh, lack of any kind of diversity in the media. And of course, I think it's probably gotten worse in the last 20 years. Uh, the Edmonton Journal was dependably left-wing back when I was growing up uh, in, in Alberta. Um, so yeah, I really just respect the work you guys do. And it seems like this is the business model that would work for you guys. And and like, and like then to kind of, if I may, tie it back to Harbinger, you also are creating this kind of shared universe of Alberta media or helping to create it with some of your comrades, like, like with uh, Laura and Abdul. And, you know, Albert Advantage, like you're in touch with those guys too. Like, it's really great to have this sort of um, left that just knows what the other guys are doing and, and who are kind of all in it together in a way. Right. Yeah, exactly. And we've appeared on each other's shows, the Albert Advantage and, and Kino Lefter. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's great. I mean, the, I think our business model is similar to the, you know, the, the Canada land, right. Or, you know, produce compelling content, get people to listen and read, uh, and then get a small percentage of those people to chip in monthly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, part of that is also getting people's email addresses through the newsletter and, and not depending on the algorithm, mm-hmm. um, you know, depending on social media algorithms to promote your content is just, unless you are willing to sink a bunch of money into them, it's just, it's always going to be, it's structurally at a disadvantage on the left. So, um, so if anyone is listening and is, is trying to do something similar, like invest early on in being able to communicate directly to your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, we have an an email newsletter list that is, I don't know, 12,000, 13,000 people. And that is so valuable. Um, Mm -hmm to be able to speak directly to people and not, not depend on Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and totally various other fucking psycho billionaires <laughs> to uh, get your content in front of people. Yeah. And, and that reminds me that um, one of the important ways that we're working towards achieving success with launching Harbinger is that we're partnering with Passage, the online journal at readpassage.com. Um, and just sort of like, I don't know, extending that community into um, left opinion uh, and, and and sort of uh, amplifying that that entire left infrastructure of media and, and creating space for for future relationships with some of our other other friends in in left Canadian media um, and to me that's just like really exciting I mean the fact that progress uh, what you guys do is is sort of part of this family sounds lame but you know what I mean <laughs> the, the fact that uh, ricochet French is is part of that extended yeah, family you can, like, say you can call it a family sure I mean like to me that is rad because it just means that like we get to reach out whether it's just like sometimes skill sharing sometimes just like uh, just some question about something sometimes just finding support and having other people care whether your show lives or dies <laughs> you know what I mean um, so yeah so I really I really love the work you guys do and I think your plan is is super rad for sure 
Yeah, and a bit of news too. We are changing our structure. We we did start off as a nonprofit uh, corporation here in Alberta, and we are maintaining that o- overarching corporate structure, but we are changing it so that we are a worker-run and worker-managed nonprofit corporation. So, uh, essentially, the board now has the the rule that the, a majority of people on the board have to actually work for the organization, and ultimately, it, it is now possible for me to be fired. I am no longer God, Emperor, King <laughs> of the Progress Report and Progress okay. Alberta. Well, I mean, not to, I still have to send in a couple of final bits of paperwork, but that that is in the works. Um, we are not technically going to be called a worker cooperative because that would require deregistering and then um, registering under a new act, which which is a bunch of paperwork that we didn't want to do. But we are functionally going to be, again, a worker run and worker managed um, you know, nonprofit. And and uh, I think that's important. I uh, it, It's not fun being a boss. Um, it's very stressful and not, not that it, not that it will be any like less stressful, but I will be working in a more horizontal arrangement in the future with my colleague uh, okay. Jim and any future colleagues that we bring on uh, in the future. Um, yeah. I, I also think that like, you know, that, that building the audience, being able to talk to directly to your audience is just a key part of all of this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're just not able to ask for money and are able to find supporters if you don't have that initial hardcore base of people that you will, that you can talk to directly. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, Joe Rogan has like, fuck you money, right? Like Mm -hmm. I don't like Joe Rogan. I don't listen to his show, but he has a massive audience and he didn't, and he built it, um, you know, not by being dependent on some massive network, you know, he Mm -hmm. kind of built it off of his own work. Yeah. And for people who don't know, and there's something to be admired there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, although, you know, so yeah, he's get, getting no, paid. He's getting paid millions uh, for his new Spotify exclusive show. Uh, but of course, he's like a deeply problematic, uh, libert- often libertarian guy who's platformed a lot of really dis- despicable voices. Um, but yeah, he's been successful, although he's also kind of the poster child for um, what's weird about the way podcast distribution works. But yeah, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to take away from your point that like he has built something uh, and, and, and uh, without having huge support behind him uh, outside of his listening base. The Joe Rogan example, I think is another useful jumping off point to just have a little bit of a discussion about a little idle gossip and speculation about the oncoming death Ooh, okay. of the media industry. So, yeah. uh, you know, I graduated from journalism school, you know what I mean? I spent a lot of my like twenties fretting about, you know, what is to be done about mm. media. And by and large, I've seen media executives uh, largely uh, shoot themselves in the dick and, or just um you know raid the cookie jar in post media's case <laughs> right uh so the business fundamentals of news have not fundamentally changed since i was in journalism school over the past 12 years right like classified ads you know the, the google and facebook have eaten all of the uh all of the usual typical sources of revenues that that newspapers uh had and even and even broadcasters had and um, you know, these, the, the typical media players in any major city, especially the newspapers are in terrible fucking shape. I don't know. Tell me if it's any different in your part of the world. No, no, it's the same everywhere. And I think what, yeah, I think if we're sort of, um, projecting it all into the future, well, it's like right now we basically have a zombie media system. So it kind of continues to shamble forward, but yeah, post media has no way forward. I don't, I don't see that like managing to hold on. Uh, for much longer. I don't know if the uh, government support kind of 
resuscitated it just briefly or what, but the Toronto star is also looking real bad. And so things just kind of keep getting worse, more constricted. The content sucks. The quality sucks. Um, I'm not a China basher, but I, I, I noticed that uh, the Globe and Mail has um, uh, t- two pages and two pages in their front, their front section. Uh, that's like um, from the, the Chinese government, like paid for two sort of promotional pages. So there's, there's lots of, there's lots of sketchy shit going on with, um, with all of Canadian media in the mainstream. So it seems like it is definitely dying. So yeah, what does it look like in five years? Well, I think you have organizations like you guys uh, being stronger because you do fill a space and, and do it well. Um, and a space like Harbinger where like the left podcast community can come together. Um, yeah, like we can fill that space. So it does seem like it's going to become more compartmentalized. The sprawl in Calgary does a great job of doing that sort of micro uh, regional journalism. Um so, yeah, I think we're going to see more of that. Well, what about you? I mean, I have a question. What do you think is more likely? Does post media finally, you know, have a stroke and die suddenly all at once and then is sold off for, for parts? Or is it is it just kind of like passed from oligarch to oligarch who, again, doesn't really care whether it loses money or not and is just kind of happy to have the power and influence that a, that a large newspaper chain, you know, gives you? Yeah, you're making a good point. I wouldn't guess that any Canadian oligarch would have much interest in pushing money into something that was hemorrhaging money, um, just because the like the reach isn't great enough. Um, so it, it's hard to see that happening. I know La Presse, which is the uh, sort of legacy newspaper in Montreal, um, they registered as a nonprofit like two years ago and stopped all of their actual paper print as well. And so they're like trying to like explore this, like just totally different way of being a media enterprise and staying alive. What the English Canadian media is going to look like. I don't know because you know, it's owned by two or three companies and they are not great and things are not going well. And um, I don't know, there's, there's something really ghoulish about us rubbing our hands together uh, gleefully waiting uh, for them to expire. But at the same time, it's really hard to want to support them when there is just so much like, uh, I don't know, white, like white male uh, content uh, that comes out of them and a lot of it very, very bad. And of course it's obscene that the sun chain of newspapers is also owned by the broadsheets in most Canadian cities. So there's basically like a, a one company town in terms of media. That's us, baby. Edmonton and Calgary. Edmonton Journal. Edmonton Sun. Calgary Herald. Calgary Sun. Totally. I don't know. I, I, th- I think uh, Galen Weston or the Sylvie family might just buy it up and just, uh, hey, we need a flyer wrap and a d- distribution system. I don't that know. Could be it. it just becomes like the coffee news. I don't know. So I mean, uh, I don't. let's just end it there. And I think that the final thing that we got to talk about is the CBC. Yeah. Uh, and... I really like the idea put forth in uh, that largely ridiculous Shattered Mirror report um, that essentially pitched the idea of CBC becoming an open source nationwide wire service. You know, anyone could, or and and open source being that anyone could subscribe to it and use the the content produced by this wire service for you know any news organization that they were running. And I, I really like that idea, you know, like having boots on the ground and the finances to cover legislatures and city halls is like 
exactly kind of what's needed, but, but go ahead. Yeah. And I, I really like the title actually shattered mirror because it sounds like a uh, fiction paperback that you'd find in the spinner rack at a Greyhound bus station, which we don't have anymore. So that wouldn't be able to get good distribution. But I also like the idea of, of, yeah, like putting the significant CBC uh, financing largely into nationwide wire service. This is such a rad idea for sure. Make it a public service. Like treat it as a public service, you know? Yeah, like not not as a as this kind of like fiefdom of news that is like, you know, in competition weirdly for like ad dollars from like from the broadcasters, which is a fucking loser's game anyways. Mm-hmm. And just like fully commit to it as something that is required in order to keep people informed. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, that's largely how it's viewed. Like when you look at like CBC in the North, um, you know, like there's just like literally no other news gathering organizations or news dissemination organizations up there just because there isn't the population density. Like that type of idea I think is, is so much more powerful than like, what they're doing now. Well, I think I think people should talk about this idea because probably although I'm not, you know, super informed about this, probably the issue is that there are structural reasons in terms of like how uh CBC operates independently from the government in terms of management and in terms of like how it sees itself and the government being mostly only willing to kind of like uh slap down CBC and like take away their money and occasionally like refund them. So they're both like majorly underfunded and also like using the funding for a lot of crap that like we wouldn't care about. Like, um, I don't know, we we don't, you and I probably don't watch a lot of like CBC TV. So yeah, finding it, finding a space in some of that mandate to actually turn it back into, um, or amplifying like the, the sort of regional stuff. I mean, that was the original intent of the CBC. And that's actually a really uh, amazing thing and a beautiful thing in in terms of like the history and the media history in this country. So um, we do have like, as this zombie continues to shamble forward in terms of uh, Canadian media, we do have this cool thing that's not as good as most other countries' public media, uh, but it is pretty good compared to the American public media. And it does have a whole infrastructure in place that could allow us as, as a, you know, a so-called country to have a, a functional and serviceable public broadcaster, which would be amazing for sure. How dare you, Andre? My partner has watched every single episode of Murdoch Mysteries. Oh, really? Nothing. <laughs> nothing will ever replace it. No, he's I'm all, kidding. I mean, no, she has lover. watched it, but it's like, yeah. it. she like doesn't, she doesn't pay, she doesn't pay attention to it. It's, it's extremely like background noise for like when she's doing shit during the day. But <laughs> Some of the crimes, some of the crimes he solves are very complicated. He's a very good detective. Exactly. Okay. I think that is enough for today. Uh, we'll end it on, on a, on a fucking Murdoch mysteries. Let's do it. That's so great. this whole episode was a bit of a plug for Harbinger network, but now is the last time you get to plug Harbinger network. How can people uh, be a part of it, figure out what's going on, give you money, that, that sort of thing. Totally. We're going to launch the website in mid November. Uh, for now, please go to harbingermedianetwork.com and find out how you can support this initiative. Uh, $3, $5 a month would be so rad. Um, also follow us on Twitter at Harbinger tweets and on Instagram and Facebook at Harbinger media Uh, folks you know what to do the holy trinity like share subscribe father the son and the holy ghost um leaving reviews is also very helpful so if you can take a moment to give us a five-star review on apple podcasts 
uh, I will you know say a little prayer and thank you silently. Um, I don't know, just got very biblical at the end there. The other big thing that it's you can weird, obviously yeah. do to help us keep going and to keep a to keep a roof over my head and Jim's head is to join around the 250 other folks uh, who regularly contribute monthly to the Progress Report. And the easiest way to do that is to just go to theprogressreport.ca/patrons, put in your credit card, five, ten, fifteen dollars a month, whatever you can afford. We would really appreciate it. Also, if you have any notes or thoughts, things you think I need to hear, things you think I fucked up on, I'm very easy to reach, and uh, I will I will gladly correspond with people. Not enough people take advantage of this. Every episode, I end with my my Twitter name and my email, and I get a shockingly low amount of interaction, given for how large our audience is. But you can reach me on Twitter at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. Thanks so much to Cosmic Family Communist for the amazing theme. Thanks to Andre Goulet for being our lovely guest. It's been really rad to be here, and thank you for having me. And it's really fun to be part of this ongoing left media infrastructure building project that we're all a part of. So yeah, thanks for the forum, and and thanks for thanks for hanging out. Yeah, my pleasure. And finally, folks, thank you for listening. Goodbye.